0: Hebrews chapter 4, we're just going to read three verses. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 4. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true, that we can rely on it, we can trust in it, we can Find sufficiency in what you teach us through the scriptures, and pray God that we see Jesus and His love, His great grace applied to us, His mercy. We pray God we see that clearly this morning. We ultimately, are brought to an understanding of what it means to rest in You, Lord. We pray these things, God, and ask that if You'd guide my tongue. The Spirit of God would use me to speak truth. You'd hide me behind the cross, bring glory to the name of Jesus this morning. Pray these things in Christ's name, Amen. You may be seated. So we've been working through um, the book of Hebrews bit by bit, and we're about four months in, I believe, and, and we're at chapter four. So. I think we're doing a pretty good job of moving through the text. What we're exploring here in this text and next Sunday and possibly the Sunday afterwards is this concept of rest. Rest. This is a specific kind of rest that we're exploring. Uh, But before we, we dive deep into that, I believe that this text gives us the opportunity to explore a question question being what is the nature of rest what is the nature of rest and i think that's a it's an important question for us to ask introspectively uh, i think i'm still trying to answer that question for myself i don't do a very good job of resting and i'm trying to discover what it means to rest and what the nature of rest means for me personally But I I think it means different things for different people. Some people find rest in different activities such as fishing or golfing. And golfing's interesting to me. I'm I'm not a golfer. I can never be uh, mistaken for a golfer. Um, But what what I find interesting about golf in that it's categorized as a sport is that in most other sport capacities, you see athletes engaging in this competition that requires a, a certain amount of physical energy, and you're sweating, and, and, you're, and you're being very aggressive in a lot of different capacities, and you're wearing outfitting that, that displays the type of activity that you're involved in. But with golf, you can just wear a polo shirt and some khakis and stroll across a field Have a conversation. How about hopping in the golf cart? Oh, that was a nice shot. Did you hear what happened on the news yesterday? You can talk at this level. And that's the only sport, maybe someone correct me after service, if there's something else that's like that. But that's the reason why maybe people find rest in a sport like golf. Some people find rest in playing video games. Please reserve your judgment for those people. Some fine rest in reading or shopping or cooking. Or how about just the classic nap? Fine rest just napping. That's rest as a general concept. That's rest and the nature of rest in terms of where we often look for moments to to step away from the activity of work and doing things that, you know, require a certain amount of effort from us. The rest that we are exploring is very specific in the scriptures here. We're exploring this metaphor. I mentioned last week, and we'll repeat the working definition, this heavenly blessedness in which God dwells in which he has promised to make persevering believers in Christ partakers after the toils and trials of life on earth are ended. So the rest that we see in the scriptures before us that we've been working through makes a a theological point that essentially gives us an idea of eschatology or an eschatological end. It's pointing to The end in Christ. It's pointing to the final resting place that we have in Christ. Now, before we we actually go into what's being communicated here, beginning in verse 4, just take a quick step back into verse 3. Verse 3, I would say verse 3b, so the second portion of verse 3 he quotes again from Psalm 95, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And what's interesting and I think what is worth emphasis is the word my, my rest. So we're not just talking about rest in the general sense of, yes, this is the place that we are going to be with Christ, but we're, we're talking about something that God owns that God takes ownership of this is his definition it begins with him it begins with how he would communicate what rest is my rest it's quoting psalm 95:11 and what we see in this is that God owns and shares his rest with us it's a rest that he enjoys And we are invited into this concept of pleasures forevermore as he defines pleasure. To step back again, we we can assume and, and acknowledge each individual here that rest is a matter of perspective. And in this text, as we see that God owns this rest, we're invited to think on something beyond us. There's our idea of rest versus being invited to experience rest with someone who has a lot of money or a lot of prestige or a lot of of worldly possessions. So there's this personal idea of what is rest for me. There is a general concept of what is rest for humanity. And then there is God's rest. So whatever you feel like you're involved in to participate in rest personally, you may experience a different type of rest if you were invited into the mansion of, say, uh, a a very rich person named Mark Zuckerberg, the the owner and CEO of Facebook, or if Prince Charles said come and visit me in my reality and experience rest as I would define it, you would probably have trouble comparing your concept of rest with theirs. What they do and the activities that they enjoy in their context of rest is very different. But as we look at my rest and what God is saying, he said, this is my rest, this is what it means to rest from my vantage point and how I would define it, We're not multiplying the experience of the the best version of rest here on earth to some exponential figure that we can calculate. We're being invited to throw out the equation entirely. There's no math problem that exists to give us this tangible view of what rest looks like from God's vantage point. What God's rest is is infinitely greater, it is infinitely more possible than whatever you could imagine in your minds at this moment is the most restful. It belongs to God, it is defined by God, and it goes beyond what a human experience can convey. So after laying that foundation, I'm hoping we can engage with this Rest in a different way. We're not just talking in something that we could conceive. We need to be listening to what God is telling us. Begin at verse 4. And we see that this rest, God's rest, began in Genesis 2-2, a quote from Genesis 2-2. Even though, as a aside, I like the writer of, Hebrews just says flippantly, he has spoken somewhere that the seventh day is God's rest. He doesn't quote a specific place. He just says somewhere it is spoken. We refer back to Genesis 2. What's interesting here in in this point in Scripture, we're here at verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 4, and rest has been mentioned before now, is that we, we went back to Psalm 95, which invited us to go back to the Exodus generation, and now we're being beckoned back to Genesis, the beginning of all creation. So it should tell us that there's a, a rhythm to what's being communicated in rest throughout the whole of Scripture. And what we see here and what Genesis 2-2 is telling us, that he speaks of the seventh day and that he rested on the seventh day from all his works. What I think we should pay attention to as we read that entire account, the first days of creation before this last day, morning and evening were that day, morning and evening were that day, there's a, a work of completion But this last day where he rested doesn't give us a morning and an evening. It gives us an implication that this rest continues. The point that that I hope that we're seeing in starting in Genesis and progressing to the Exodus generation, coming to the Psalms, and ultimately landing in Hebrews, which continues to speak of something ahead of us, is that there does remain a rest, a full and complete and eternal rest with God. He's continuing to point to that throughout the the whole Old Testament. Establishing the rest here, he rests from his works, and then we continue to where Moses establishes the law, and God's people are commanded to partake in this rest and enjoy this rest with him. In fact, Moses specifically commands the people of Israel, the people of God, concerning the Sabbath in Exodus 31, 17, That the fact that God rested is a sign forever, that he rested and was refreshed, that God rested and was refreshed. Now, we may not look at the the commandments as something refreshing or being invited into something to enjoy with God, but that's the intention, that is what we're seeing, the echo throughout Scripture is God saying, come and enjoy this, come and take part in this with me. So we see that his people will rest with him, beginning in, G- in Genesis, ending with Jesus There is a final rest. There is a place that we are headed to. There is something that is available to us. So I don't want to just talk about rest, the term. I think it's important to understand something of value in this rest. So what is the nature of this rest? Why is this something that we should look forward to? Why is this something we should cherish and something that we should strive towards and persevere through all of the difficulties of the Christian life to see? What I think we will see in what's communicated here. And also what has been communicated in Hebrews up to this point is that this rest, the nature of this rest, tells us something of the nature of God himself. The fact that God rests from all of his works, that God rests from all his works back in Genesis should tell us not that God was tired, not that God had had really put in too much work to the point where he overexerted himself and he just needed a break from mankind. We could believe that just knowing how we are. But the echo of everything he said in his creation is that this is good. And his rest continues in that reality in that he was satisfied. That what had been done, what he had accomplished in creation was filling him with satisfaction and joy. So God doesn't need us to rest in him for him to feel that. As he begins in creation and he sees all that has been created, he enters into rest himself. He is self-sufficient in his own rest. In Exodus thirty-one seventeen, saying that he was rested and was refreshed. There was nothing else to refresh him. He was refreshed in and of himself. There is a non-communicable attribute of God that's in play here in that God is self-sufficient. He has the capacity to be satisfied in himself, to be filled with all things that are sufficient for him, and to be full of joy. The scriptures teach us that in his presence is the fullness of joy, satisfaction, pleasures forevermore. Again, understanding the nature of God's rest is understanding the nature of God himself, and that he is full of satisfaction, full of joy and pleasure. So as we, we read these texts... And we say that this rest is promised. We've been on the other side of rest in the sense that we've been warned in case you do not enter this rest or continue on lest you do not enter this rest. But what about those who the rest is promised for? What about those who are persevering in faith, those who are trusting in Christ, finding something to rest in? is needing, We need to define what that means and why that's significant for us. What does this rest communicate about God? He is self-sufficient. He is in and of himself able to be satisfied in who he is. Now, what about his communicable attributes, what it means for us and what he is inviting us to experience with him? I want to share today that the verses we've read preceding to this moment and the verses we will continue to study in this book Teach us about who this God is. He is just, he is love, he is peace, he is joy. He is just in that he will judge sin and unbelief. This rest is not for everyone. We should feel that as we explore the nature of this rest. this rest is exclusive. This rest is for a people, not for everyone. He is just. He is love. He cares for those who are his. This word being proclaimed to this audience and to us gives us a sense of God's care for us. He's telling us what is promised to us. He sent a suffering Savior, as we read in chapter 2. He sent a suffering Savior for us to rest in, to find this ultimate and complete rest in. This is an expression of his love for us. He is just. He is love. He is peace. He is the faithful mediator. He has made peace with God. He has offered himself as a peace offering. He has appeased the wrath of God, and he stands to advocate, to mediate for his people. He is, in fact, called the Prince of Peace. We are able to rest in him. He is joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. We don't get to read the back half of Psalm 95 without reading the front half of Psalm 95, and we see that adulation and this expression of adoration towards this God who fills us with his joy. His rest is teaching us about who he is. These are his communicable attributes. Therefore, these are the fruits He not only shares with us and allows us to look forward to and to press into, but these are the fruits that he produces in us. As Christians, as those who've taken on the name of Christ, we're likely living this out already, but there's a not yet associated with this. We experience this joy now. We experience this sense of satisfaction now. But there is an also to come that we anticipate. Where this you look at the fullness of joy, and maybe there's a momentary expression of that. Maybe there is something that you've experienced that that allows you to see what joy really means, to be joyful in Christ. You've experienced that. But then there's something that happens in your life that, Causes that to drift away. There's a satisfaction in Jesus. You're studying your word and you're finding something worshipful about the way that Jesus is being conveyed in a particular text. Or you're engaging with other believers and they're testifying of the goodness of Jesus. And you're saying, how could I be apart from this God? This is everything for me. And then tomorrow, something happens at work. So there is a foretaste now. There's something we're experiencing now, but there is also something to come, something that we're reaching for, that that we're groaning for, something that is is longing to be completed in us, that is only found in this full and ultimate rest. Therefore, we see in verse 6 that it remains for some To enter. This rest begins in Genesis, doesn't end there. It continues as a type being promised to the generation out of the Exodus come to the promised land. The promised land will give you this rest, but then it doesn't stop there. There's Psalm 95 being proclaimed that if you look at that generation who fell, they did not enter my rest. There is a rest that we're still seeking and hoping to be fulfilled, and we're hoping to see the fullness of that. And now we land in Hebrews that there remains a rest for some to enter. We see that until Christ returns, people throughout the entire age are able to enter into his rest, that it is for this people, this believing people, who trust in Jesus himself. Now, last week we explored the nature of of disobedience and unbelief, and, and we've seen these verses leading up to this point. We understand that the disobedience, we should understand that the disobedience is associated with unbelief, not trusting in Christ, trusting in ourselves, being indifferent to what it means to actually follow after Christ, not really having a sense of joy and hopefulness and satisfaction in God, not persevering through the trials of life. That is something associated with those who will not enter into this rest. But it remains for some to enter. One commentator words it this way David Chapman says, God's rest centered upon recognizing that his work of creation was now completed. Christians enter into his rest through recognizing that Christ's work of redeeming them from sin has also been completed. So all we have to do is understand that from creation until now the rich gospel truth that we have come to find here in the book of Hebrews and beyond is that Christ has died once for sin, sat down, made purification, sitting down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Open and available is the opportunity, the invitation to come to him and find full and complete rest. We're reading that his works were finished from the foundation of the world, so we we see that In eternity past, what is being proclaimed to us was already designed so we see it actually in focus at creation where God sits down and he rests from the works of creation. And then we see a promise that is being given to this people of Israel who God has selected and rescued out of bondage in Egypt and said, There is a rest that remains for you. Pursue this rest, this promised land, this Canaan place. But as we continue and see in verse seven of Hebrews four, that David is speaking now, years after. Canaan, And he's saying that there remains a rest. There's something that we're still groaning for, anticipating, looking forward to. And he's saying that today is the time for you to respond and to see that this rest is for you. And you're pursuing it still past David. And then along the Davidic line comes the Savior named Jesus and says, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and full of burdens, and I will give you rest. And then he ascends to the most high place after dying for our sins and says, there is a rest. I go to prepare a place for you so that it's culminated in him forevermore. Amen. I love looking at this with anticipation. There is an already but not yet. There is a rest in Christ now. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Preach it. But there is one to come that is not worth comparing with whatever we're wrestling with now. The Holy Spirit calls back from David till now. and Tell them to tell us today is the day that you can hear his voice and not harden your hearts. Considering what you've heard in the gospel and that the nature of this rest is to discover a God who is just, a God who is love, a God who is peace, a God who is joy. To hear the nature of this rest includes and is filled with this God. The call is to respond with faith in Christ. To place your trust in Christ today. To throw your entire trust, your entire being upon Jesus today. Revealing the urgency once again. What we see in the Sabbath of the Old Testament and what God communicates in Genesis is that there is a forever Sabbath in saving faith. It's even a question of how we treat the Sabbath when we take our Sabbath, not as just an obligation or command, but an invitation into resting in God, enjoying God. Some days, you may think of the Sabbath as a day to get all the chores done. And the Sabbath is a day where, thank God, your office is closed. Sabbath is a day where it's not restful for some of us because there's this exhausting notion of getting your kids ready for church. But he's inviting us into a rest. He's inviting us into an enjoyment of who he is, all of who he is in acknowledging of what he has taught us about himself and saying that resting in him is the full and complete work of Christ. Available for us now to respond to today, why it is called today, so that we may enter into the gates of eternity and forever with him. It's fitting for Jesus to say that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, and that everlasting rest can be found in him, and that in him is the rest that we all seek. It's full and it's final. It is a cheap Christianity to just promise things now and say your life is going to get better now, or the circumstance that you're in is going to get better for a time, and not tell them about the full and complete rest and peace that you have knowing that you're going to be with the true and living God. Now, everybody doesn't want that. Some people do just want temporary fixes. But the people of God are only able to persevere knowing that there is something beyond here. This will never satisfy us. And that satisfaction is found beyond anything we could experience here. So to those who know him, who know Jesus, who are persevering currently in the belief that Jesus is Lord and that there remains a rest for all of us to be with him forever, I encourage you to again look at this text and see that there remains a rest. Chapter 4, verse 6 says, therefore, it remains for some to enter it. For those of you who do not know Jesus, I encourage you to read the second half of that verse. Those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Disobedience. There's an obedience to the gospel because the gospel isn't just good news that we share for you to shrug your shoulders at and say, oh, thanks for telling me that. But with the good news of the gospel comes a response believe in, trust in, put your faith in Jesus. So to those who do not know him, I say to know true rest is to know Jesus Christ. Seek him while he may be found. Today is the day. If you do not know Jesus, the nature of this rest, the enjoyment of this God who is just, who is love, who is joy, who is peace forever. The nature of this rest is reserved for those who believe. For those who do not believe, this this rest is not reserved for you. So I invite you to put your trust in him today. Don't dangle the carrot in front of you to say, oh, it's not for you. Sorry. There are arms wide open. There is a God who is resting and walking in the envelopment of what it means to rest. He is satisfied in that, but he graciously invites others to experience that with him. And that is open for you. That is here for you. I also want to say that we're going to take communion and if you do not know Christ, if you are not placing your full trust in Christ right now today and you're with us this morning, I want to encourage you to let the elements pass. This is not just a religious activity that we take part in just because you're in a building that's called a church. And don't feel like you're not included in something because you, you let the elements pass and then that means that you just can't be friends with or connect with people here. What the invitation for you is is to take Jesus. Take Jesus himself. If you do not know Jesus, and I know I'm hitting hard in the unbeliever portion of this, but I feel an urgency in this book as he's writing to those who he would call elect and call brothers and sisters in the faith. He's writing urgently to people who may not enter this rest. So I don't want to assume that the everyone here is going to enter the rest. And I want to urgently call you to come to Jesus. Find sufficiency, satisfaction in him and in him alone. If you'd like to speak with someone after service about this talk to me talk to one of the elders we've got a prayer room in the back there so we could make it private if you need to but today is the day don't wait seek jesus while he may be found there remains a rest for those of us who find joy, satisfaction, peace, and justice in Jesus Christ. Persevere to enter that rest. For those of you who do not believe today, do not harden your hearts. Turn to Christ. to pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, the power of your word, God, the power of your gospel. We thank you for the joy of the good news. We thank you for all that you are and that you don't offer a fading promise or a promise that doesn't deliver, but it goes beyond our wildest dreams and expectations and hopes, and it puts us in a place of perfection that we could have never designed We thank you, God, that as believers in Christ, we don't walk around with cheap sales pitches. But we rest in the reality of the true and living God and his word spoken, his word accomplished. I pray, Lord God, that you would convict the hearts of those who do not believe. Cause them to see the beauty of Jesus and to embrace it with full hearts. I pray for those of us who do believe, who will persevere, who are equipped with the grace and the power to walk out this Christian life, that you compel us to tell somebody else about your goodness. You compel us to share this news with somebody who needs to hear it today. Today is the day. This period is open for us until Jesus comes back. Give us a full assurance. Give us full faith. Give us full rest, Lord, as you've promised. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.